constraint drives creativity, right? When, when, if you have, you know, $10 million, then what are you going to do? You're throwing money at it. <laughs> when you don't, <laughs> you got to figure it out, you know? And, and the best part of human ingenuity is that without, uh, you know, just to throw money at a problem, you got to figure out ways to connect and grow and get the next connection and make it to the next stage. So anyway, that's Jason Brooks, CEO of Harkness AI, a software platform turning feedback into fuel for better performance. Jason shares his career journey on this episode of the Leadership Backstory, where we learn how his career and education propelled him to found Harkness AI. There are lots of leadership lessons packed into this episode. I'm Peter Barron, and my co-host Brendan Schneider and I learned a lot, and we know you will too, so let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Peter Barron. And I'm Brendan Schneider. Yeah, and welcome to the Leadership Backstory. Brendan, today we have Jason Brooks on the show. Or, hey, Jason, how are you? Hey, do well. How are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, Jason, so glad that you're here with us today. You know, you and I had a chance to talk not long ago. You've got a really interesting... It, it, it's so interesting to see, like, the work that you've done in schools and how, how you're translating that into a startup environment. And I don't... I, I just... I have a lot of appreciation for that journey. It's a, it's a unique one, and I know there's a, a lot that we can gain. So, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Excited so, to be here. Talk, talk talk about your journey. I mean, I'm look, you know, what one of my greatest research tools here and for Brendan and I is LinkedIn. So I'm looking at your LinkedIn <laughs> profile. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. But you've got this long history of working in schools and, and going to an independent boarding school too. Yeah. And now you're you've got a startup that's leveraging AI and, and you know, before we get all the way to where you are today, like talk about how your journey started. Like what what did that look like? Yeah. So I grew up in, uh, in Watts, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Right. So for all of the yep. folks out there who danced in college to the song, California love, right. When <laughs> there, <laughs> there's that little part with city of Compton, city of Watts. Right. So, yep. yeah. uh, that's, are we going to be humming that for the whole ship? For the whole <laughs> yeah, episode yeah. Now, right? yeah. You might, you might, you might, yeah. right. They, yeah. they call that the earworm. Um, yeah. but you know, when I grew up, it was rough. It was rough, right. It was, uh, late eighties. You got, uh, the Bloods, you got the Crips, and you had the third gang, uh, the LAPD, and you're trying to navigate uh, all of that. Um, ironically, my dad was, I don't know if ironic is just sort of how I grew up, but my dad was a cop for 25 years as well. So yeah. uh, inside the home, uh, had a ton of order, and cr- like won the pair of lottery off the charts in terms of uh, the folks who were raising us. Uh, but then outside all that turmoil, uh, then to just give you a sense of like, my dad's a cop, you know, 25 years. And then my mom, uh, there's six of us kids, right? My parents like really enjoy each other's company. So there's six <laughs> of us and I'm, I'm, the, I'm the eldest. Uh, there's four girls and uh, my little brother. So like, I'll never forget my dad kind of grabbing me by the scruff and that can be like, make sure your, your sisters get home safely. It's like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, sir. Right. So like, even as I reflect on it, uh, I came across this quote the other day and I love it, but like pressure is a privilege, right? Yeah. And like even the pressure of having, um, you know, a nine-year-old kid, but to have to bring my sisters home safely to make sure that we can get to and from the park safely to be able to navigate, you know, the challenges of growing up is really where um, it started for me. And, um, you know, as I as I got older, it was sort of participating and kind of like, again, like this in the house is awesome, but then you step outside of the home, you got to be aware of all different sorts of challenges. Um, 
and, and two things started to emerge. One is that like I really like sports and the other is that I was kind of okay at school. Um, and then I think that's what you call the humble brag, right? Uh, but then, <laughs> but, but then took a test and ended up at an all boys boarding school out in Claremont, right? So went from yeah. uh, the hood to Hogwarts and it totally changed my life. Like to go from uh, Watts to Claremont, uh, to be around incredible people really accelerated. And frankly, changed the trajectory of my life. Like when I go, I go visit my parents all the time, and nobody, um, and I say this with such reverence and respect, but nobody I grew up with is there anymore. Right? They're and, all either dead, or, dead or in jail. Like so, it's okay. a, a really bittersweet thing to kind of go back and have the memories of like, oh, this is where I, you know, the streets are always so much smaller, right? When you come back as adults, right. you're like, oh, I used yeah. to play this all day as a kid, but now uh, nobody's there. So that's sort of the genesis, and happy to keep going from there, but. Yeah, we'll talk about web because you know I, I, when I look at your journey, you, you spent years working in independent schools, and you know what role did web play in that for you? Yeah, I think so. In terms of my formation as a man, um, I don't know if I'm more indebted to an organization, namely that when I was 14, uh, at every turn, every nook and cranny, every branding, every possible opportunity, they like inculcated us with the Latin phrase principes non homines, right? Which is leaders, not common men. So we had to eat our food like a leader. You had to fold your, fold your, your books like a leader, you know, make up your bed like a leader, right? Not, you are not common. You're not common. They just drilled that into us. Uh, and there, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of opinions. Mine is one of 8 billion, but for me, what I needed was single sex education at that point in my life, right? So remember, you know, there's six, six kids. I've got four sisters. My brother hadn't yet come along. My dad is working graveyard. He's a cop, you know, 12, 18 hour days, you know, so it's really me and then my four sisters and my mom. So I was like really in a single sex education until 13, which being around a ton of women, which is awesome, you know, and to balance some of that out for four years to be, uh, at an all boys school was amazing because I not only had the opportunity to explore some parts of myself that I'll just kind of put it blankly, right? So I just know that the 14-year-old version of me, if given the chance to really buckle down and talk with maturity about the rape scene and the kite runner, or to kind of make a dumb joke to kind of crack the tension that's in the room in a code environment, I would have been the dumb, you know, class clue, right? We we know we we know that. Like, you know, guys do that. Guys yeah. in particular do that, you know, across classrooms across the world and have done that for centuries because, you know, there's not that emotional maturity, but for me to be able to develop that at web and really have to wrestle with high octane classmates and really aware, uh, teachers, uh, was fantastic. And then that's just the school day. <laughs> so you go from there to school day, <laughs> boom. And then, you know, you take a 30 minute break and then you're now off to practice. So you see the same person who's your English teacher, who's now your basketball, football, volleyball coach, uh, lacrosse coach, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, I've never seen, you know, Mr. Thompson and get that fired up. So you now get to see, um, a full dynamic human being in a bunch of different scenarios. And then right after practice, right, you go to the dining hall. So I've seen Mr. Thompson in English class at lacrosse practice, and now I've seen him, you know, disciplining his kids in the dining hall. Right. So like for a young guy who's 14, 18, I mean, boarding school was the best possible experience for me because I got to see over the course of four years, you know, hundreds of different examples of what manhood looked like, both from my classmates to people who've been there for their whole career to see their families. It was just a magnificent experience. 
as we're going to get into this, I know, Jason, but the you, you transition a lot. You've got some great career changes. So transition seems comfortable to you. Was the transition, as you say, and I can't wait to read your book, From Hood to Hogwarts. <laughs> ha, that should be the title of your book, by the way. Yeah. How was that, going to web for the first time? Yeah. It's hard. Uh, it's really, really difficult. Um, and I think looking back with the hindsight of, or, you know, with hindsight, I think it sort of makes sense, but you're a 14-year-old kid. You go, for, I'll never forget, I'll tell you a story. Uh, so I'm like, from the hood, my first meal at web is beef stroganoff, right? It's so <laughs> like pasta and gray meat, right? And like the dining hall staff was so proud of themselves. Like, this is our best meal. And I was like, what the hell is this like gray meat on pasta? Like, where's the marinara sauce? Like, this is not right. like my mom's chili. Like this. And right. so it was like that first clash of like, oh, this is, I'm not in Kansas City anymore. You know, your first formal <laughs> dinner, you got formal dinners yeah. three times a week. You know, there's more knives and forks and spoons on the table than we had in our whole house. I was like, oh my God. Like, and then you're eating this like outside in. You're like, you like, there's a knife for butter? <laughs> like, there's just a, one knife. All its job is yeah. to cut butter. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Um, so it, it was th those sorts of transitions uh, were difficult. But if I, I mean, I'm so grateful for all the people, my parents included, who helped me get there um, and the people who took care of me there um, because it normalized to challenge at an early age. Like doing difficult theme things yeah. was considered normal and not impressive. Yeah. I'm so glad to have received that gift. And even the, the more spice, spicy parts of my experience there were, you know, kind of, you know, you imagine you get 200 boys locked up in a dorm, you know, some things are going to get said, some, you know, yeah. you know you're going to have to figure some sorts of things out, you know, yeah. um, but that, that was awesome because I had to do it, right? There's no person I could call like, hey, mom, this guy called me this or hey, mom, like this is happening. Like, oh no, you've got to figure these things out. So right. uh, to have that uh, maturity, that forced maturity at 14 only helped later on. Uh, so let's talk about later on. So you you went to to college back east, right? I went to Trinity in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Uh, sorry, yeah. Trinity, so you went yeah. to Trinity, and then uh, from there, it looks like you jumped into the independent school space as, as a teacher. Like those early days teaching, and I, you know, Fountain Valley School in Colorado right. was your was the first place. What kind of leadership lessons were you? building along the way because I'm, I'm hearing like leadership lessons that were plucked while you were at web and i'm curious like how did that start to continue to evolve as you got into your young professional career yeah so i think kind of going back to college like one of the things that web i mean they really did i mean I'm, i know i'm using like a 37 cent word here but like they really did inculcate leadership like leaders not yeah. common men into everything yeah. so much so that i didn't even recognize it right yeah. so yeah. my freshman year of college uh was in a fraternity, right? And then very quickly just started doing stuff because this is how you operate. Like somebody's got to take out the trash. Somebody's got to organize it. Somebody's got to do you right. know, the things that it takes right. to get things done. Like parties just- All those skills that you like exactly. lift every day. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. And you think about like, uh, I was playing lacrosse and ran track as well. And you're like, okay, within a couple of years, first couple of years of college, then I'm a captain and then uh, pledge master and then ultimately president and, and captain of the team. And I just kind of woke up, you know, at 22 being like, whoa, like, all right, maybe it's part of part of our personality. Maybe I like to be in charge or maybe there is some skill here. Um, and then when it came time to, I mean, you got to graduate, you can't stay there forever. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget my, the director of admission at my high school, 
uh, had since transitioned to a different school, but he called me up and was like, Hey, like you gotta come, you gotta come teach. Like you're made for it. You know? And I, I, I grew up a poor kid, right? I grew up a poor kid going to these independent schools. I was like, there's no way I'm teaching. I'm gonna go be a business major. I'm gonna run as far <laughs> away from, uh, education as I can. My mom was a teacher. I know how that, what that looks like. No, 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 no. But, uh, the gravitational pull, um, sort of brought me back in, um, and I think it was the ability to both pass on the lessons that I had learned, right? So we talked a little bit earlier about the way I grew up and like just seeing uh, not everybody make it from where I'd come from. I felt right. a responsibility to make sure <laughs> uh-huh. that if you got into these incredible educational opportunities, there was somebody who looked like you, who had your experience, who wore Jordans on Fridays and knew what right. that meant, like could, yep. could actually listen to your music, somebody who who knew that like, yep, every year in every independent school across the nation, sadly for you know, hundreds of years, some kid is going to make a rap mixtape and they're going to use the word and that school is going to have to handle that situation. And the handling of that situation has hurt a lot of kids that frankly look like me. Um, and I wanted to be a part of the solution to help um, at least have, at least those students that were under my care, um, have somebody to fall back on, you know, because that happened for me and I didn't have, you know, um, that that support and infrastructure. Independent schools have come a long way since 1999, but yeah. um, you know that was that was sort of mine. So like to go in and and, and teach uh, and coach uh, and live in the dorm was just passing yeah. on a gift that I've been given. So that was really really important early in my career. And that uh, your teaching career took you to a, a couple of different you know different schools along the way and different roles, yeah. and like you started to work your way through. Uh, the, you know, the different kind of opportunities that are at schools into, you know, administration and all the things. But I noticed that there was a stop along the way at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And <laughs> yeah. like, how does that play into all of this? Like you were, I mean, talk to me, like you, were you uh, teaching all the way up and then went to graduate school or were there some administrative jobs and, you know, before heading to, to Harvard? Yeah. So um, I think for me, I think this half nature, half nurture, but I've all, I'm incredibly competitive and I always want to get better. Uh, and, and just, I just got to scratch that itch. Yeah. So when I started my career off, I was teaching Spanish, uh, and then got into Mandarin and then mathematics ultimately, uh, and it felt Wait, like so I you taught, it. you taught Mandarin. Yeah. We're going to have wow. to talk about all that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Go, yeah. go back to Harvard. Then we'll go back to that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. When, yeah. when you get old, you have a lot of stories. Uh, but, yeah. but, yeah. but, it's, but essentially, you know, I was, I was teaching, you know, language for a long time and then kind of got stuck because I had a really good command of what was happening in my classroom. I knew yeah. my students, I knew what was happening, but when I had to extrapolate that to other colleagues who were struggling with the same kid, but in a different context. I didn't know enough about the fundamentals of teaching and learning to be able to help, right? Because I was a Spanish major, I was an American history major, so I kind of knew my content, but I didn't know the business of teaching. And I think that's one of the things, it's a double-edged sword because so many independent schools, early early career independent school uh, teachers just kind of come directly in from undergrad, having majored in whatever. And because you know, you're dealing with such a high caliber student, uh, that students raw firepower can kind of overlook and kind of hide kind of obfuscate some of uh the learning that early career teachers need to have so for me to be able to lead um a department and division and ultimately school i really felt like i needed to know and have a really locked in background in terms of like how do humans learn and teach and you know in my opinion there was no better place to learn that than 
you know, the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Did did did, did that did you gain any kind of leadership um, nuggets? I mean, is there anything in that experience that has has kind of propelled you from that point forward, or was this really trying to understand the science of teaching, like really getting to, yeah every every day, right? So like, uh, day, yeah. I I think I think even as I'm reflecting in this conversation, I don't know if it's as much like a, a penchant for leadership as much as I just love to be in the mix. Like Man. if there's a fight, I want to be in the middle. Right? If there's a dance <laughs> party, I want to be in the middle. Right? If if there's a good pot of gumbo, I want to be in the middle of it. So I think uh, folks who have that sort of predisposition kind of find themselves um, yeah. in those rooms, right? And then that's where it happens, yeah. right? So you know, you know, Brendan, this reminds me of the episode we did with Ernest Coe and Jason. So Ernest is former teach, kind of a similar path. You know, yeah. worked in teaching, then moved into software development. Um, and he talked about how, like, m all the time, he just, like, somebody's like, hey, how do you do this? Or how do we do this initiative? Or how do we build this program? And he'd be like, I'll do it. Like, he just raised <laughs> his hand, right? Like, yeah. it just, he didn't have, he was maybe a step ahead of everybody else, but that was enough. Yeah. And that yeah. has been something that really drove his career. I'm wondering if there's something to that for you, too. Like, just this willingness to try. Yeah, 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 right? So, like, uh, I heard this a long time ago. I loved it. Like, buy the ticket, take the ride. Right? And, so like, just, 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 uh, just do it. And I got it into Chinese, uh, because right. I showed up, I showed up at Trinity as a, as a night or 18 year old freshman. And my advisor was the world language department chair who also happened to be the Mandarin teacher. He forced us all to take his intro to Mandarin class. And I was like, wow, Dr. Fields, this is like eight o'clock in the morning. You know that, right? <laughs> like, like, this is wild. Like yeah. I did the intro my advising and everything. Um, but then sort of had that experience, loved it, thought it was cool, but then ultimately, you know, kind of majored in Spanish because that made sense uh, and really balanced out with my uh, athletic and sort of social activities. Uh, but then raised my hand, the Macaulay, I'd, I'd moved from Pat Valley to Macaulay. Macaulay said like, hey, we're going to transition, transition away from Japanese to Mandarin. They asked the Japanese teacher, hey, do you want to sort of learn? We'll, we'll, we'll help you sort of transition. And he said no. So he was from Japan and went home and I said like, I'll do it. Right. And then, and, and then thinking about like the high caliber, you know, students, I'll never forget my Spanish three class. I had a student who was as good as me as just in terms of language. Uh, and he was 17 and I was 25, 26. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> you talk about chat GPT taking your job. I was like, oh, this kid is going to take my job if I don't yeah. develop <laughs> another school or skill, right. If I don't develop yeah. something else. So then it was like, all right, cool. Like I, I know enough about Mandarin to know that it's a big mountain, but I also know that I can get to the top of it. So I'll go. And then I spent two and a half years in China and did a full write. Um, and really kind of like, it was almost like starting a, a car in second gear where it's just like, remember those old kind of stick shifts where you're like, Ooh, first gear is broken. My clutch is out. So I'm going to just roll down this hill, hit second right. gear and see if I can get it going. Give uh, me a push. And it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was able to work through there, but that, and then once I think for me, I was like 27, 28. Once I had, you know, a high level of fluency in Mandarin, there was no, you couldn't tell me anything. I was like, there's nothing on this planet I can't learn without effort and, and real design. And that's another thing that kind of led me to Harvard because I was like, I've, I've been this successful on my own. Let me really go and study the cheat codes on how people learn. Um, so that way I can apply these lessons to myself, but then also to my students. Oh gosh, there's wow. like, 
I've I'm like we've got taking mental notes of questions around like you know Harkness AI, but we're going to get to that. Like there's more. Like <laughs> I, I'm seeing some connections, and I'm wondering. Um, I've got some some things I'm wondering about. Um, talk about becoming an administrator at a school. I mean, what 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 drew you into that? Because because I'm hearing that you've got this passion for learning, and you just soaked up the opportunity to be in the classroom what kind of pulled you out more towards the administrative track yeah i think um i think one of the one of the benefits of going to and being a part of independent schools and boarding schools in particular is that you live a seamless life you don't really there's no hard stop between the end of the academic day, the beginning of the sports day, or the end of the sports day, mm-hmm. the end of the downtime. So you see this kind of like, okay, cool. It's like happens to be 7 p.m., but I'm also sitting with my coach who's my teacher and mentor and all these different things. So uh, I think you get from early age a global perspective of what it takes to run a school. And then if you are, you know, young, dumb, and a little bit cocky, be like, oh, I've got a, I've got a crush in my classroom. If you would just be like me, you know, the whole school would work like development, come in my class. I'll teach you how to raise some money. Uh, but like when in, in all seriousness, when you're trying to apply those lessons and when you start to think of like, okay, where can I make more impact on this community? Then you start to to take on more administrative roles and then uh, thinking about, okay, okay, if this is working in my classroom, what would it look like to work across the world language department? If that was, if that's working in the world language department, what would it look like to, to work across the upper school? And then you start thinking, okay, cool, like nine to 12, I've got a good handle on that arc of the, you know, curriculum development. Like, what does it look like to incorporate six to 12? And then you start to think of like, all right, cool. Like we're doing this great on this campus. Like, what does it look like to scale this across our school community and the citywide and start to grow? And then, um, sort of naturally, as I started to think bigger and bigger, you know, you, you need, uh, the perspective, right. And ultimately you have to be able to run a school to, to get that perspective, to really make the institutional change that some as you go down that path you know there's a lot of there are a lot of things that get, that come with it right one of them yeah. being like managing people one yeah. of them being you know kind of thinking strategically across programs like what were the things that you loved and what were some of the things that were hard for you yeah no i think i i i will always say this um but i love like love the problems that come across ahead of school's desk they are filled with complexity, nuance, history, financial challenges. Like there, there's a, an ability to look at every single problem from so many different angles. Um, uh-huh. And there is an answer that works and not always a right answer, which is really interesting. So it feels like being in the middle of a case study. And at the same time, it was one of the most stressful experiences of my life because um, if something got to your desk, <laughs> That means it was really wrong, (laughs) right? Like if a teacher kicks it up, that means that the department chair couldn't do it, a dean couldn't do it, uh, a senior faculty couldn't do it, a former, you know, like it it made it through a few barriers uh, to Uh get it. And that comes with stress that frankly um, had a toll on my family and frankly kind of made me into a person that I didn't want to be every day. I didn't want to show up the campus combative waiting for like what a bomb's going to go off somewhere. So I'm going to be ready for it. And that made me step on the campus with a bit of an aggression and that edge that, um, I didn't, I didn't like who I was becoming. I tried really hard to hide it, but I know the most sensitive people in my community kind of sense like, Ooh, like, okay, like I'm gonna give Brooks a wide bird today, you know? (laughs) 
you know, yeah. you know because yeah. like yeah. you 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 at the end of the day, the buck stops at your day at your table. So something happens in the parent community or the alumni community. And I'm talking about like life stuff, right? Somebody passes away, somebody gets cancer, somebody loses a job. Like these big yeah. heavy things affect your school community, right? They're going to affect everybody throughout it. There's a lot to uh, sort of harness. So again, f- kind of felt like love the problems, but then like that position wasn't uniquely fit for my personality. So it's like, all right, how do I keep the complexity and put then and find a different different role? So I'd been wrestling with that for a long time, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to it. But then COVID really was really the impetus for um, that tech startup that I'm running now. Yeah, we'll get to that in, in just a minute. I mean, I, I just want to hit pause on on that heads roll. I mean, that is just especially through COVID. I mean, Brendan, you've, you've seen yeah. it too. Yeah. yeah. It, it's been yeah. inc- incredibly hard on heads yeah. of school. And, and, and for, for those of you who aren't familiar with the independent school space, right? So Brendan and I kind of come out of that world, which is why, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we see so much of this, but just the, the pressures that are, are applied on a head from every different angle. And, and when you think it's like different than running, a, a, I mean, somebody could probably pressure check, pressure check me on this one, but it's in my, from my perspective, it's different than running a company. Like if you are working, yes, you have employees. Yes, you have consumers, but you're talking about kids and the pressure uh-huh. that, that comes from making the wrong decision is immense. And and like, how, how, how did you cope with that? I mean, that is like, uh, that is such a hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, practically a lot of yoga, uh, a lot of working out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like it was incredibly important that I had rhythms and healthy ones in particular, right? Because we're all going to have rhythms, right? Some of those rhythms are not like that. That third bowl of ice cream isn't necessarily a healthy one for, for all. But it's delicious. It a yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a delicious rhythm. For, 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 for yeah. Brendan, though, it's that it's that bourbon in the morning. There, there we go. go. There we go. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. 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 Right. But but I mean it, we're kind of joking about it. But like you you saw an increase in people kind of self-medicating during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Like there's oh, just yeah. un, untold or unforeseen stress, right? It's new to all of us. And yeah. then all of the sort of cracks and fissures that were already in our lives and our school communities just got a 3,000 ton elephant just jumping on those things every single day. And you saw a lot of people, um, I mean, I say, again, with so much respect, like they cracked under that, under that pressure, you know, and like, sure. yeah. uh, tremendously changed a lot of people's lives and sort of surfaced some full things that people sort of had thought were had gone to bed, but kind of come up. You think about personal, interpersonal relationships. You think about, um, you know, people being isolated, you know, like we had a ton of early stage faculty who'd moved from wherever they were from to be in LA and then just got locked in a box in a new city, no friends, no nothing for six, seven, eight months at, on, at the, at the time. You had people who had social anxiety trapped in a box. So, I mean, it's really important that we remember the early yeah. days of the pandemic, like pre-Pfizer, yeah. pre-Moderna, still banging pots in the pan. Yeah. Because we're going to be dealing with the trauma of that for a while. I mean, me and the director of technology moved, you know, our brick and mortar school online over a weekend. You know I mean? Right. Like, whew, like, it's all wired up. Let's flip this thing on. Let's <laughs> it works, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, those early days of working out the kinks of sharing and people didn't know what Zoom and people turning themselves into cats, I think. On um, said, right, we have to remember all those things because mm-hmm. you know, three years later, I think we're starting to come out and start to normalize. But yeah. now, you now know, that trauma is going to surface. 
A hundred percent. And I just, I, you brought me back to that moment. And like, I just remember all the energy around, Hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to, you know, we're going to think our way out of this problem. And I, I, yeah. I, and I think schools did an amazing job at responding <laughs> in the moment. There's <laughs> no doubt in my mind. And then on the other side of it, you know, there's been, pr there's been conversation about, all right, well, what are we going to keep from that well, era? And yeah. it's just interesting to see people are like, I can't do any more innovating. Like, I think I'm just yeah. kind of done for a couple of years. So like, <laughs> Give me a little bit of time to, to to heal, which I think speaks to what you were talking about. But Jason, yeah. you you went the other way. Like you are you you're like starting a startup with AI and like talk about that. Like how did you know that it was time for you to transition to something like this? Yeah. So um, again, coming back to principles on hominies, leaders not common men. Kind of like as the shutdown was coming, you know. Uh, as a big student of history was like, okay, this, this is an inflection point. So I've got to stay dynamic in this environment. If I stay stuck, yeah. I will be lost. I know that for sure. Like this is yeah. constantly moving. So I've got to be moving with it. You want to ride the wave, not get hit by the wave. That's just like, <laughs> yeah. grew, up in, grew up in Southern yeah. California, right? You learned that here <laughs> as a five-year-old going to the beach. You're like, oh right. yes, yes, yes. Getting yeah. hit is not like riding. Uh, yeah. Stay on the top of the port. Um, but kind of went through, you know, Personally, my 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 was wife, my former wife, or, or my ex wife, uh, amazing woman. But um, our marriage was one of the things to disintegrate during uh, the COVID lockdowns uh, for a number of different reasons. Um, but was sitting there being like, man, like it is twelve o'clock, and I can sit here and, I mean, I'll just keep it one hundred. I can sit here and finish that bottle of bourbon and just kind of like drown my sorrows away and pretend like this isn't happening to me but I think it yep. is, or I can say like, okay, here's an opportunity. And like all, all of the big sort of Teddy Roosevelt, man in the arena quotes, all the yeah. Julius Caesar, all these kind of things yeah. that you've thought you're set, thought about yourself and said about yourself, right? You, you banged your, ch your chest pretty hard, uh, you know, during all these games in college and you kind of felt yourself and like, here's, here's the test of your true metal. Right, uh -huh. your uh -huh. M E T T L E, right? Not not, not the yeah, right. M E T A L, right? Like who who are you as a person? And when when the bottom of your soul would challenge, uh, so it was like, all right, cool. Like I have this space, I have this time. Instead of squandering it, how do I upskill, reskill ahead, and then say, okay, cool, I've got this skill set, namely in the data science, machine learning space. How can I apply it to solve some of the problems that we're seeing across education in it just jumped off the page to me, right? So like met with muted mics and blank video feeds, trying to connect with my faculty and students. Um, and again, this is so important to remember, we were requiring kids to put their camera on, right? And then of course, not by extension, not your mic on, because you don't want to have a ton of mics. So then you're talking to, everybody had the rings. You're like, oh my God, I've never seen that. I'm talking to a camera all day. And you're like, I, what's happening? I'd go to broadcasting school. I have no idea. Like, do I look at the screen? Do I look at the camera? Like, where do I look? So there's all these things, but then, um, I'll never forget. And this is like the little push I needed. There was a really brave young woman who said, Mr. Brooks, uh, the baseball boys are only talking to each other. And if you don't do something about it, I will. I was like, thank you. And she had really surfaced what we all kind of groped through in person, namely that like, I didn't like that class. I don't like this person uh, because there's something happening here. And it's how we talk to each other. I don't like this class because you guys talk to each other the whole time and I have to watch it. Like I'm yeah. not engaged here. Right. Or you yeah. talk to me a certain way or you cut me off or when I say an idea, you know, Tommy takes it and then you give Tommy yeah. the A and you, you, you don't recognize um, 
my contribution. So to be able to use artificial intelligence to capture some of that data and reflect it back uh, is something that stumbled upon in the, in the pandemic and is really the core essence of what we're trying to build at Harkness. Yeah. So talk. So I want to. I really, really want to kind of unpack how you've built Harkness. But before we do that, let's let's actually talk about what Harkness is. Like, what what problem are you solving with with your product? Yeah. So um, humans are social creatures, right? So this is no new shock. Um, we can do amazing things when a group of people work together. The problem is, is that because we come from different cultural, linguistics, uh, temporal context. Communication is ultimately the smallest unit of anything that we build on top of. And if you um, have a breakdown in communication, uh, you can't operate in your highest order self, right? So even even something simple as you've got somebody for, on your team from Louisiana, Seattle, California, and New York. You just put those four Americans in a room. You've got four very distinct cultures. So when the the, the gal from Louisiana says, bless your heart, and you know the person from New York is interrupting constantly, but they're interrupting as a sign of engagement, not as a sign of disrespect. And you've got the California who's like, "Hey, just chill it out," and the Seattle person is like, <laughs> "Hey, we got to get it down." Yeah. Right? You're, you've got all these different things, these different dynamics that are going underneath the language of English, right? <laughs> so then there's there's yeah, multiple yeah. streams of. Um, kinetic energy, right? That, that, that people stumble through and the best groups can navigate it. The best groups can sort of surface the ways that we interact and then optimize those ways. But most people can't, and most people have no idea how to. So we're really trying to solve and give people, um, a guide to help them be the best possible versions. So it's a, it's a, it's a software application that schools uh, or anybody can use to uh, upload information. Like what happens on the other side? You upload a, a recording from a meeting or something of that nature. Like what, what are you, how are you processing it in, in, uh, on your end to help people? Yeah. So uh, it works in person or remote. Uh, you get a high quality recording uh, and you upload it. And within eight to 10 minutes, you get back um, a whole host of information, but namely uh, it visualizes what happened in that conversation. So at a high level, what we do is figure out, first of all, who who was talking, who was talking to whom, what was said, and then now we have a transcript. And over that transcript, we, we run a bunch of sort of fancy AI. And, and just for the audience, AI is just a lot of math done really quickly. So let's not be afraid of it, right? Like that's just what I, it's a lot of stats, probability, yeah. and linear algebra. So like and, and calculus too. So like, let's just become more fluent in math and that I'll step off that soapbox. So once, <laughs> once we have uh, these mathematical relationships between people, words, tone, and all that, now we can model those relationships. We just visualize those relationships back to end users so that we can see like, huh, all right, cool. Like when I used this word, here was the outcome. When I asked a question this way, the response was shorter or longer. And now that I have that feedback, I can start to calibrate. I can start to adjust how I show up just the same way that humans have done when we first got glasses, when we first got a mirror, when the first time we got any sort of feedback, we can adjust, right? You're walking around naked with a, with a deer skin being like, oh, that's what I look like? Oh, okay, <laughs> great. Maybe not, right? Or like Long, you're working yeah. around for centuries with mustard on your face being like, why did no one tell me I have mustard on my face? Like, well, you know, but now with the mirror, you can do that. We have, we have, we have feedback for, you know, audit, you know, for visual and auditory or hearing, 
But now it's the first time in human history. This is the part that's exciting is that we have feedback for our words. I can mm-hmm. really, we talk all the time about like intent versus impact, right? We all have great mm-hmm. intention. The road paved to hell is paved with good intentions, right? We have all these good intentions, but we have no idea of our impact. And when you think about that, when it comes back to the lowest common denominator, namely our kids in our classrooms, I mean, I've been hurt by what a teacher said, and I guarantee that teacher has no idea yeah. what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I've heard kids and I have no idea. Right. Yeah. So to the extent that we can surf service that and correct that behavior, it's something that we're really excited about. Well, yeah. Jason, I have a I might need to use that at home. I have a twelve year old daughter and yeah, we perfect. often tell her it's not necessarily what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like that's part of it, right? Like how you deliver that makes a difference. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. And, and, and and our true north is like how do we help you become a better communicator within the context of a team? Because if yeah. you're just a better communicator at large, like you're going to go be a politician, right? You're going to use that potentially to like weaponize it, to like manipulate yeah. your world. Uh-huh. But within the context of the team, if you communicate it better, you know what happens? Like the team performs better. And you know what happens right. when the team performs better? You all win, right? So yeah. everybody's incentives are aligned around communication. So, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, I've heard the quote so many times, but awareness invites change. We see in the platform, 80% of the people will correct behavior just being aware of it. Yeah. Right. That's a huge yeah. margin. That's an intervention yeah. that no, yeah. that you don't see in any other place in our society. So just being yeah. being aware, like, hey, you do this. Yeah. People correct it. So knowledge is power, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the right. More, the, more you, the more you know. Hey, so yeah. how, so you've built this product. Talk about how you've gotten to, you know, today. Like, how did you go about building this? And what from your school experience as a leader, like how did that shape your approach? Yeah. Uh, so a little bit of like dogged resource of resourcefulness <laughs> and just right. like the sheer will of mind and just the sheer hell or high water and everything in between, like this will come out of my head into the world. Uh, yeah. And I think entrepreneurs, it, it's been interesting to like see people shit like, like, as a teacher, people are like, oh, that's cute. You're so cute. But like, thanks for like, it's amazing what you're doing for the kids. Uh, but I never got the praise for doing the same stuff as in now I'm an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, people are like, oh, you're so tough. Like you're out there changing the world. Oh my gosh. Da, 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 da. But like when you're stuck in a room with 32 kids for nine months on the end, you got to be resourceful. You got to figure right. it out. You got to figure out how to lock yeah. in and how to connect with every single one of your kids because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. You can't kick them out. You can't bail. Then you might, you might get lucky and have them the next year, right? So, teachers and good teachers in, in particular, are entrepreneurial, right? Where you're like, ooh, I had a lesson plan. I stayed up to three o'clock in the morning planning this lesson plan. I landed flat within the first three minutes of my class. I have forty-seven minutes left to go. Yeah. I've got to pivot. I've got to change. Right. I've got to do something different. I got to break these kids up in groups. These kids are are sleeping. That kid just threw a whole computer Man. at another kid's head, like, <laughs> right? Like, so, yeah. so like teachers yeah. are entrepreneurs and, and dealing, dealing with, you know, again, the dynamism that comes in, in managing 33, 32 people, uh, was something like clearly translated to what we're doing, um, in the entrepreneurial space. I mean, of course the stakes are different and, you know, you involve customers and investors and all those sorts of things. Uh, it, it it's a little bit different, but, uh, the, the pieces of music certainly harmonize because at the end of the day, it's people and like what we're into and what I want to spend the rest of my life uh, doing and what I did in the previous career is how do we help 
and how do I help people become the best versions of themselves? Whether that's having a really command of Mandarin and Spanish or math, or whether that's being aware of how they're showing up uh, in these spaces. And that to me is the through line. It's the same, it's the same thing. How has been, um, how do I say this? You're a leader now, founder at Harkness. Has that leadership been different than your leadership in the academic space? Ooh, uh, yes and no. So like in many ways, um, it's been easier, right? Yeah. Because uh, as the founder, I get to set the tone, right? I get to leverage yeah. all these books that I've read over the course of a career to say like, oh, no, 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 this is not just my opinion. This is the best stuff from HBS. Or like actually I've made uh, this mistake in my, you know, prior hiring, here's how we're going to do hiring moving forward. Or no, 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 yeah. no. Like I've seen this before. Um, so that's been incredibly helpful. Uh, and I think one of the many challenges in particular challenge of being an African-American uh, leader in independent schools, just given that whole history is a lot of name checking, a lot of, we don't do it that way. What do you, what do you mean? We don't do it that way. I'm like the head <laughs> of upper school. Like, we, like this is my job. Like, it's like literally yeah. in my second line of my job description to like have a curriculum that reflects the diversity of LA. So when you say we don't do it that way, who's the, who's, who's the we? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's hmm. and curious. Yeah. Right. Right. So, now, so, you, so now you have ownership, right? Now you exactly. Can, so I have right, space yeah. to, to stretch out and kind of yeah. do and, and do the, the things that I think are innovative. Uh, the downside to that is that I don't necessarily have the, the, the feedback. We're a small team, right? And it's part of my job to establish a culture where it's like, Look, founder CEO, that title is mostly for LinkedIn. I will yep. crash this plane if you all don't tell me what I, you actually think. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, push back. You know, um, so it's, it's it's been interesting to come yeah, from one high, not I don't want to say high resistance, but you know, there's a lot of different stakeholders in the school um, mm -hmm. to a small team. What have been the what have been the what have been the challenges? You know, with 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 leading a small team versus leading a, you know a larger school-based institution? Yeah, I think um, obviously resources have been a challenge. Um, but it's a double-edged sword and a blessing in disguise because constraint drives creativity, right? When when If you have, you know, yeah. $10 million, then what are you going to do? You're going to throw money at it. Right? When you don't, <laughs> you got to figure it out, you know? And, and the best part of human ingenuity is that without uh, you know, just to throw money at a problem. You got to figure out ways to connect and grow and get the next connection and make it to the next stage. So in many ways, it almost feels like, you know, I grew up on Nintendo and like Super Mario Brothers and try, try to like, how do you, how do you figure out this level of the game to get to the next level of the game? You crash when you get to the next level, but you know the path. So it's like every single day, how do I beat this game level by level by level by level? Uh, learning everything from different, different, different bosses, right? And I'm talking about like, Pitching, being like, I'm going to close this deal based on my enthusiasm. Oh, yeah, they don't care about your enthusiasm. They care about their ROI for their um, <laughs> employees. You're like, all right, cool, yeah. got to learn that, right? Because like, I think one of the things that I wish there was more synergy is that in the school space, uh, mostly because of, and this is one of the key takeaways from COVID, is that schools, a huge role, a larger role that I wanted to admit, like they exist to take care of the problem of child care. Because yeah. I mean, going into COVID, I was really excited. I was like, "Oh my God! Like this is the this is the the jolt we need. We're going to innovate the K through twelve space. Like this is going to be different. Oh my God! This is such a blessing. Like all these things you talked about earlier, Peter. We we get to experiment, and now coming out of COVID, we're going to retain a lot of these learnings. That didn't happen, right? right. Or it happened in really yeah. small pockets because right. 
you got to take care of kids. Right. Um, yeah. So, so to, to be able to experiment uh, in these new, new ways, um, the new use AI is like really, really, really helpful. Besides, so Jason, besides, uh, I'm thinking about five years down the road, mm. besides a successful exit for you, <laughs> where, where do you hope Har Harkness AI is? Uh, I hope it's boring. I, I hope it, I hope it's, I hope it's boring and I hope that, uh, everybody uses it and, and the value is just normative. Yeah. Right. Like I hope that, yeah. um, there's a level of productive accountability that radically transforms the way that humans communicate from now on. And, and I know it sounds like hyperbolic, but uh, with the advent of again, these historical technologies that we take for granted, human productivity takes off in the 13th century once an Italian inventor invents glasses. Yeah. Right? The fact that you can see that that's actually a bag rustling in the bush and not a predator. The fact that you can see a threat coming from a hundred feet away, the fact that you can see the inventory that you have in your shop and you don't have to sort of squint and grope through it, it, it opens a whole new realm of possibility. And that's what we hope where, you know, people are using conversational analytics just the same way that we'd use context. Yeah. Like I can't imagine walking through my day without having my context in. Like that's act I actually yeah. get anxiety yeah. thinking about I'm walking too. around <laughs> without, <laughs> without being Me able too. to see yeah. Right. Yeah. And then frankly, yeah. since 2011 on Zoom, we've just kind of been like make, making our way through these meetings. And once the whole world kind of came on to these platforms, we've really seen a need for, yeah. we've, we've lost the nonverbal communication that happens in person and we need to kind of close that gap. Mm. And I think yeah. AI will be it. So um, I love that. And I, you hope that it's boring. Like I'm just thinking about like what's, what was innovative in the moment and now is just kind of a boring regular part of my workflow. And yeah, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit, like if I didn't have grammar, Grammarly right now, I would yeah. be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yet, yeah. like, I don't wake up in the morning, like jazzed about it. I just know it's going to be there. It's going to help me. And I'm, you know, it's a part of what I do now. Like, I that's love right. that. I think that's such yeah. a cool way to think about it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Hey, hey so so we've had this really interesting conversation learning about your your leadership backstory, Jason, and all the cool things that you're doing now with Harkness AI. And I just love, the, I just, I, I, I just love where you're taking it. Like, I just think that you're solving a problem that needs to be solved that many of us didn't even know existed, right? And that's, yeah. Yeah. awareness is the start. But if when you look back on your career, if you had an opportunity to do it all over again, would you take the same path or would you try a different one? Yeah, first, I heard, I heard once somebody tell me, uh, you want to tell stories from a place of scars and not wounds. And given the scuffs and the scrapes that are on my body, both the <laughs> ones that you can see and the ones that are in my head, right. I don't know if I'd change it, right? I, 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 I struggle to imagine myself as a 21, 22-year-old entrepreneur with AI. I don't think I would have the emotional maturity to kind of handle the, the weight uh, yeah. that, that it is to run. Um, sure. A small, you know, startup that you're trying to like change the course of the world. Like we're not playing around with small things here. We're trying to fundamentally change the way that 8 billion people behave with one another. That's, that's it. Right. Yeah. So Jason, it's a, a pretty big task. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, no, no. I was just going to ask, where can people learn more about you? Where do you want to send them? Yeah. I mean, let's connect on LinkedIn and then harkness.ai is the place, uh, to get connected and using, using the tool. Um, yeah. So those two places, like happy to connect with folks, but uh, hard to say, I, that's where we live and that's where our story is at. And that's where, uh, you can get on the platform and play with it and, uh, 
got to give us a ton of feedback, right? Because like one of the things that we're really passionate about is co-creating, right? We just know, um, or I know from tech version, tech company 1.0, it will not work. And we will do a ton of damage to society if we just give these powerful tools to people and say, you all figure them out, right? We, <laughs> we know what that story looks like. We know what that story looks like with young women in, in developing, you know, all sorts of like body image eating disorders because of, you know, social media and the, 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 the lies that are told that we, we know that without guidance and without collaborative accountability, you know, tech can hurt people and we don't want to do that. And I have no interest in doing that mostly because, uh, it's the wrong thing to do. Second, uh, we have an opportunity to really optimize the human experience. And then third, like I've got to answer to my parents, right? And like, I like, and this is one of the things that you come from these schools, like it is not about me. It's not about me, Jason. It, there's hundreds, thousands of people that whom I re represent whose who's, who's, who's sacrifice my opportunity is built on top of, uh, I mean, the history of this country alone. There's people who, who fought, bled, and died for me to be able to, to do this. So uh, I take it very, very seriously um, to be in a position like this. Um, so yeah, hard to say I and then and LinkedIn so that we can talk with That's folks right. and making sure we're building an awesome product that uh, is safe as well, right? Uh, yeah. as, as, as well as delivering, you know, outside benefit. Awesome. Well, Jason Brooks, Harkness, the AI, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I learned a lot. And I know, Brendan, I'm guessing yeah. you learned a lot too. And a ton. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. yeah. Can't, wait to, can't wait to continue following your journey. Thank you. Appreciate your having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Backstory. Make sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast player and leave us a review if you like what you hear. We appreciate you sharing your feedback with other listeners. Peter Barron and Brendan Schneider host The Leadership Backstory. Catch you on the next episode.